this is Bob. This is Wayne. You know, Paul, uh, my wife suggested that we start, you know, having, uh, you know, funny books with Aaron, Polly, and Suzanne. And, uh, you know, my first question to her is, which comic books do you read? Yeah, I mean, I feel like, <laughs> I mean, she, she's welcome. <laughs> and uh, she, she said that she, well, I don't read any comic books. I said, then nah, nah, I really can't use you on the show. And she said, well, you know, Paul wouldn't have a problem with me being on. And and then she followed it up with, so I guess we know that it's you who has the problem. I said, well, as long as we're clear on that. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, 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 that, so that's working out well for you this morning. That's working out really well, yeah. 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 She threatened to stab me in my sleep, so, you know. Sleep with one eye open, Aaron. <laughs> that's right. So how are you doing this week, guys? Doing well. I, I got caught up on my Hawkeye this week. Oh, you did. All right. All right. Yeah. You I, were not, uh, you had not seen episode three last time we spoke, right? No. And, uh, you know, I didn't get to watch uh, both of those episodes till last night. And uh, it's it's nice being current again. You know, when you, when you get behind on your on your stories, you know, suddenly you're having to keep your head down so that people don't spoil stuff for you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Wayne cause... and I were talking because, you know, it's kind of like Suzanne not actually reading funny books. You actually need to watch the comic book shows to be on this podcast, Aaron. That's right. That's right. That's uh, correct. Correct. And I'd like to point out Suzanne doesn't watch those at all. So, you know. So another <laughs> One strike. One more strike. Her. Exactly. A yet another strike. Really the only thing she's got going for her is she bakes, you know. Oh, well, so Yeah, I mean that's that's a that's a pretty heavy plus though. Yeah, she it really is. She'd probably want to change the title to, you know, Funny Books and Cookies with Suzanne and Polly. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. not opposed. Yeah. yeah, if she provides the cookies. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. I've got to get a box in the mail every week. And we can discuss <laughs> That's them right. over the That's mic. That's right. Crunch, 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 crunch. That's right. That's right. So yeah, so you got caught up on Hawkeye. Episode I four did. came out this week. Um yep. I forget. Was this was last week or this week the one with the uh implied kingpin thing? Oh, that was last week. Last week. Okay. Yeah, about the guy over the person, over Maya. Yeah. 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 The big man. Yeah. Yeah. I got to tell you, I, you know, we're four episodes into Hawkeye. I just think every episode gets better. I, uh, I, I agree. I, it, it, it is stunning to me <clears throat> how different this story is from not just the Matt Fraction series and the, you know, it, with art by David. Aha! Um, <laughs> but also so different from an Avengers story. Um, it is, I really commend the writer's room here for delivering something so original yet so familiar. I, I very much am enjoying what's going on here. And I, I, and I, I know I've said this last time, but I love that it's set during the holidays. I mean, it really gives it a sense of time and place. Yeah. And uh, I mean, besides it. the action, it's such a personal story mm -hmm. and Kate Bishop is one of my favorite characters, and they are really, really nailing the character. Yeah. This week with the whole Christmas thing, coming over with Christmas movies and settling, uh -huh. that was just so heartwarming. And the Christmas sweaters. Yeah. yeah. And and can, can I complain about something real quick? Of course. I don't know if you guys caught this in social media uh, when Hawkeye debuted, but Disney sent out to influencers all across social media – Hawkeye sweaters. What? And Why didn't as we a, get one? As a guy who, you know, has many, many Christmas sweaters and posts them on Instagram and has a comic book podcast, I didn't get a sweater. The fuck, Disney Plus. 
Just saying. The fuck? Missed opportunity. You know why? You sent it to people that, if I don't follow them, I wasn't aware of these sweaters. If I don't follow them, they're not good influencers. Well, the only reason they showed up in my feed is that I follow hashtag ugly Christmas sweaters, <laughs> and that's that's how it uh, that that's how it showed up in my feed. I was like, "Huh, what are these?" Oh, they sent you know they sent a media kit out. Anyway, I'm super annoyed by that. that Just saying, crap. Disney Plus. Ugh. Yeah, no, yeah. you make a good point. What I like, one of the things I do like about Hawkeye is that it, it is incorporating you know things from the Matt Fraction arc. It's incorporating the MCU feel. It's also kind of it's it's in, but in a street level vibe that we haven't seen since the netflix series like it's mm-hmm. it's, it's really well done and you know I, I i and this episode we we got the uh spoilers um even though it's already been spoiled online a thousand times over um the appearance of the anticipated appearance of yelena from mm-hmm. the black widow movie yep. i and i gotta tell you i i did such a good job avoiding the spoilers i was not spoiled i did not know she was going to be in this really yeah okay you know, yeah, they, I was predicting it, but I didn't know for sure. I figured. I mean, they, they, you can't set that up. Now, I, I wasn't sure if she was going to be part of the series or just pop up at the end as a, you know, potential for season two or something like that. But sounds like, um, you know, she'll be in episodes five and six because this is only a six episode series. Right. And, uh, you know, they are saying that episode five is the one that's going to break the Internet. No. Yes. And I have. No. Some, I have some theories. I'm afraid to say them, though, because what if they turn out to be spoilers? <laughs> All right. Hit us with your theories, Paul. Well, I think it's going to be Kingpin. I think we'll see yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin cool. on Wednesday in Hawkeye. And I think we'll see Charlie Cox as Daredevil on Friday in Spider-Man No Way Home. I think it's intentionally timed to coincide hmm. um, for, for those reveals to be in the same week. That That's well, my theory. I, everyone I, thinks it's Kingpin. Yeah. I won't see uh, Charlie Cox on Friday in No Way Home because I'm gonna have to wait for uh, you know Disney Plus. Disney Plus, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but I, we got news this week that Eternals hits Disney Plus on January 12th. Yeah, I think I'm gonna wait. At this point, I'm just gonna wait. So yeah. I will definitely see Spider-Man in theaters, but I'm probably not going to see it on Friday because if did you guys see just how much this thing sold out? It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's it shut down, uh, you know, ticketing when when tickets first went on sale. And I'm like, seriously? <laughs> like, during wow. The pandemic? Really? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Every well, seat sold out in some theaters. Yeah, yeah. You know why I think it is? You've got all of the fans of the original Tobey Maguire series. Then you have the fans of the Andrew Garfield and you have the Tom Holland fans. There's a lot of crossover, but there are some people that only liked one of those series. And they all are interested in this movie. Well, and I think you also have a lot of pent-up demand that people want to see an event film right now. Yeah. And there have been so few of them. I mean, yeah, you had Dune. Yeah, you had uh, No Time to Die. But this is the first one that's got sort of more, a, a more global appeal. So, yeah, I completely get the interest. But, oh, man. Plus, plus the Cumberbitches. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah it's it. I, I, I actually will be seeing Spider-Man on Friday. Um, if you could bootleg that for me, Paul, take yeah. your camera with you. I'll just put my little, I'll just put my phone <laughs> in my jacket pocket. And uh... in fact, if you could just throw it up as a live stream on Instagram, we need you to set up a Amazon experience where you're in the theater. <laughs> you can take as many pictures as you want. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Did you hear, um, and we're going to talk about the, uh, the, the, we're going to talk about comments here in a second, but did you hear, um, that press screenings for no way home? 
are only... They, they, they don't even say it's the first 40 minutes. It is 40 minutes of the movie. So, wow. you know, most press screenings show the full movie. They're just on embargo until, like, the day of, right? Until the I've never heard of a press screening that wasn't the whole movie. Yeah. Well, huh. I, mean, I mean, sometimes they leave off, like, you know, the end credits, the after credits right. sequences and stuff. Yeah. But this is one where they legitimately are only showing 40 minutes of the movie to the press until the release. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, should be interesting. I, they, they are really trying to hold back on those spoilers that literally everyone read about a year ago. So, you know, <laughs> well, maybe there will be more that we don't know about. I, I didn't read them. Well, Aaron didn't read them. He's... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, speaking of Marvel crossovers and, and Daredevil and Spider-Man, um, this week, uh, Chip Zdarsky and Marco Cicchetto released the first issue of the, the new Marvel event, Devil's Reign. Um, so this is kind of the event they've been building up to on their Daredevil arc. You know, I mentioned this at the end of last week's podcast. Um, and as we start the book, Wilson Fisk is the mayor of New York City. And uh, he has married, married, <laughs> married Typhoid Mary. Um, I probably should have said wed. He has wed Typhoid Mary. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, he has now outlawed vigilantism. Vigilantism? Um, in New York City streets and brought in the Thunderbolts like U.S. Agent and Rhino and other characters uh, to take down any costumed hero doing vigilante justice on the streets. And um, that's that's how we start uh, Devil's Reign. And so, Wayne, you and I read this. I, yeah. I have some, some strong initial thoughts about this book, but I'm, I'm going to let you kick us off. All right, so I will say it feels like Civil War all over again, with the exception of... It's not heroes fighting heroes. It's the government cracking down on the heroes without any heroes taking the side of the government. And I really appreciated that, that we're not seeing heroes versus heroes again. I really loved this book. And this is a setup for an event. It worked for me. I, I do think it's kind of crazy some of the crackdowns that Kingpin is doing. But, it you know, he's basically after everybody with superpowers, including like the Fantastic Four who don't fight crime mm -hmm. you know you, you mentioned the first thing you said about how you know it feels like civil war that that's my strong opinion of this book is that i i, I was reading this book i'm like wow wow deja vu like this is yeah like nothing in this book yes i, I yes i appreciate that it's not heroes fighting heroes yet um but you know i reading this book i was like i feel like i've read this already <laughs> um like very strong feelings of damn like i this is literally the same book as Civil War, uh, um, you know, the government outlawing superheroes and, and cracking them down to the point that, you know, the last half has a strong focus on um, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, just yeah, like Civil and, War did. And Cap as a leader. Yeah, and Cap as a leader. I was like, wow, like this, uh, you know, for it, it was a well-written, well-drawn book. I will pick up issue two to see if the story goes a different path. Um, but this is this is literally Civil War. Like, this is almost the exact same story, almost the exact same book. You know, very subtle. The only real difference is, is like you said, it's supervillains hired by the government instead of superheroes. And, um, you know, Wilson Fisk is the, the guy running the show. Um, you know, I think one of the things that, that is interesting is that, spoiler warnings on, Wilson Fisk has, um, at the end of the book, murdered the Purple Man and uh, taken over his powers. 
So that may be something that how, that plays into. How do the you take over his powers? I didn't know that that was an option. Well, let me clarify. He murders any purple man, and he says these powers would be better. Hold on, what does he say? Perhaps it's better um, time someone more worthy possessed your powers. I'm assuming maybe he'll get some type of blood transfusion. I don't know. I guess we'll we will find that out in issue two. Um, yeah, because huh. they don't give any way for him to do it. He just stabs them. Yeah. Huh. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, also, so Fisk that, for president. Yeah, and Fisk for president. Um, so you know, it, it it it. I'm curious to see if the story takes a different turn. Um, but you know, it, yeah. it, it is. It, I mean, don't get me wrong. Civil War was what at this point? Were we even podcasting when Civil War came out? No. Um, yeah. I mean, so it's Civil War's over t- over 10, 12 years ago. Um, yeah. No. So it, in, things have a, a a cycle in comics, and this everything old is new again. Um, so. So. I, I was also it. disappointed by one other thing during it. Uh, you have that whole speech that Luke Cage gives, mm-hmm. and everyone's watching him. And you know, then they do start doing the setup where Tony shows up, and you know, well, we got to stop Fisk by having someone else be mayor. It seems like they were setting up, you know, Luke to make the run for mayor. But no, it's just the standard Tony's running for mayor. Yeah, Tony's going to run for mayor. But, you know, at that point, Fisk is running for president. So it's like... Yeah, rich guy versus rich guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, it is very much, you know, we've seen this story not just from Marvel, but we've also seen it from DC, where Lex Luthor became president and outlawed vigilantes until they had to storm the White House and the pages of Superman Batman to take him down. Um, So, you know, despite the fact that there's not a lot of done here... Yeah, I feel like it's being done really well, though. It is, it is, and maybe I'm just old and I've read everything <laughs> at this point. <laughs> You're an old man. I'm an old man, um, and every story feels like the same story I've already read, uh, other than some of the stuff that we're going to talk about later on. But I mean, yeah, here's I had, it's not bad. I gotta admit, I, they got me on the cheap pops. So you're you're flipping through, and you've got what I assume is a new suit for Miles. Because I don't recognize that spider suit. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I and he never took the mask off, so I wasn't. Right. I was like, who is this? Is that Miles? Is it Ben? I don't it's know. definitely not Ben Soup. And Ben shows up right after that. Oh, because that's Ben in the Spider-Man suit. Yeah, so I, I have yep. no idea who that is. But you have the cheap pop of uh, they start attacking him, and here comes Captain America holding someone that he's pulled from the fire. Yeah. Like, yeah, that is a cheap pop for fans, and it got me. I They, they were giving fan service, and I was serviced. <laughs> it's a, it, it is a well-done book. It is just, um, you know, very derivative of other storylines. But again, it's well done enough for me to um, give issue two a shot and see how I feel about it. You know, I think, uh, you know, it's the last Marvel event, which was that, um, I don't even remember what it was. Heroes, it was Heroes Reborn, right? I I dropped out after issue two because I'm like, this feels exactly like some other event that I, and I don't remember what, oh, it was House of X. And this feels exactly like House of X. So I dropped out of that. So we'll see. We'll see. So, Paul, yes, you know, a book I'm really curious to know what you thought about uh, came out this week. Uh, it's the new Batman book with uh, Josh Williamson on it. Uh, Batman, what, 618? Is that, is that the right number on that? 118. Uh, They're not on legacy numbering on, on oh, this Oh, sorry. But uh, that came out this week. A whole new, you know, crew on it. A whole new direction for the Batman. What'd you think, Paul? I loved the art. I mm-hmm. thought Jorge Molina and Michael Janine did a, a did some beautiful art on the book. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I, I I will say I actually really struggled uh-huh. with the book. Um, so you know, basically what what we have in this issue is set up that um, 
Fear State has ended, Gotham City is celebrating, and Batman finds out that a, a group of mercenaries has stormed a, a Billionaires of Gotham City party where everyone is dressed as a villain. And, uh, including know, little girl dressed as punchline, right? Yeah, including a little girl dressed <laughs> as punchline. But yeah. I was very confused in the story. For a while, I'm like, are these the actual villains storming the party? Or are they mercenaries dressed as villains? And it's really not... I mean, it, it eventually becomes clear. But, you know, the, the villains are drawn literally just like the regular villains. Right. Like, they're not drawn as people... You know, they're not drawn as, like, Joker yeah. adjacent... Like, that's literally Joker and Two-Face. Well, and, and you know, one of my complaints about that is that, you know, all of our superheroes and supervillains are, you know, all have no body fat, right? Unless you're the blob. Yeah. You know, you, <laughs> you are all lean muscle tissue. If these are normal people dressing up as, you know, metas, they should look, you know, somewhat schlubby. You know, there should yeah. there should be a belly. There should be a larger you know backside. You know, should be a double chin. I mean, you should see some of that, uh, and and you didn't get that on on the pages. Yeah, um, what I struggled. You know, that was an artistic choice that was made to make uh-huh. these characters look just like the villains, not yeah. like normal people dressed as villains. And it, right, I, honestly, I I was very confused. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Scene. What would it have been the perfect time to have given Joker a mustache? Or, exactly, <laughs> or something. Yeah. Throw out a little Easter egg for the fans. I will say one thing that I thought worked, you know, uh, Lex Luthor shows up at the at the very end of the book. Mm -hmm. I loved the look of Luthor in in, in this book. I mean, he's wearing this, you know, white three piece suit, you know, purple shirt, purple, you know, uh, pocket square. Uh, He he looks so cool. He looks like Michael Rosenbaum a little bit. He does. I, I was definitely getting Rosenbaum vibes on this, mm. and I, th- there was a there was a cool factor to him. I was like, "Ooh, I want more of this," and literally, that's what worked for me in this book. Yeah. Um. I I was not transported, you know, into into Gotham. Uh, I I found myself there was so much talk about Fear State, uh, that and because I didn't read any of that deliberately, yeah. so. Uh, I, I was, I was like, every time they, they brought it up, I was kind of, you know, kicked out of the book. I was like, I don't care about this. I don't care about what Gotham's gone through because Gotham's always going through shit. And I will say, I was a little amused that that's some of the commentary from people on the page is like, you know, this is just the, the, the latest thing of all the shitty things that happen in Gotham city because why anyone lives in Gotham city, I will never know. Yeah. Um, well, I think, you know, to your point, what worked for me in this book you know, it's a 33-page uh, digital mm-hmm. book. What worked for me was the last 10 pages of the book. Um, so it, it starts with, you know, after the the party scene, uh, Oracle asks Batman, you know, to, to come over. You know, she's like, how would you celebrate after a big case? And you see, you know, Batman flashing back to hanging out with Commissioner Gordon on the rooftops, spending some time with Damien, kissing Catwoman on a rooftop hanging out with Superman, playing chess with Alfred. And that moment, I was like, wow, it just hit me. He literally has none of that. Like, right. we talk about the Bat family and all that, but, you know, if, if the original, you know, his best friends, his father figures, you know, his son, his his girlfriend, he doesn't have any of that right now. Um, yeah. You know, Superman's off-world, Alfred's dead, Damien's, 
you know, off on an island. Catwoman's left. Um, Commissioner Gordon, I don't know what the hell. Oh, he's, he's you know, he's out of the country um, searching for Joker. So that moment was, that moment really struck with me. And, you know, that's where the book kind of starts into what we're going to get into, which is that um, Batman Incorporated has been uh, taken over by Lex Luthor and um, the members of Batman Incorporated, like El Gaucho, um, have been accused of, of murdering someone named Abyss. Uh, and so I, 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 I was very, that, that part is what interested me because the first part was basically, I, I think capping off the previous run that I didn't care for. Yeah, when I read the description, the first thing that jumped out at me was I didn't know Batman Incorporated was still a thing. Yeah. I thought when he lost his fortune that that had to shut down too. Well, that's when Lex Luthor took it over. Um, ah. and then they explained that in this book cause you, you make a good point. Um, but th- and I, I maybe they had previously referenced that, but like I said, I I, I hopped out of the last uh, arc of this book. But I mean, I, I don't know. The, the like I said, the last ten pages is where things started to get interesting for me. Will right. I pick up issue one nineteen? Probably not. Yeah, me neither. But I will say, you know, he goes to Bodnesia. Something like is that. Is that right? Yeah, he goes to Bodnesia. And the whole time, every time he's there, and you know, you see him on the page, every panel I see him on, I'm not reading it as Bodnesia. I'm reading it as Madripoor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, where's Wolverine? Right. <laughs> and, you know, he, it's like they almost did it. They almost made it matches Malone when he lands. Yeah. But, but not quite. And I, I love, I, I am always down for an appearance, an appearance of his identity as matches Malone. I, I, there is something about matches that just tickles me to no end because generally it, sh- it shows Bruce outside the costume and he adopts a sunnier disposition, but yet still very dark. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, but you, you get, you get like two, three panels of that, but he's not really, I mean, it's almost like he's, he's just a grittier looking Bruce Wayne as opposed to being matches. And I just thought that was a missed opportunity, particularly since he's in Madripoor. <laughs> it's not in Madripoor. <laughs> he's in Bodnesia. <laughs> anyway, I, you know, I, I wanted to like this book. I, I was looking for a, uh, an Avenue back into Gotham and this ain't it. No, I'm out. I mean, so. again, you know, it's, it's not bad. It's just not good enough. Right. Right. And now, according he's not even, you know, the, at least this arc, he's not even in Gotham, right? He's in, right. He's, he's, he's investigating he's, things. He's in Madripoor. He's in Madripoor. Yeah. Um, so we're, you know, this is going to be another Batman international tale, which there's nothing wrong with. Yeah. I just, you know, it seems strange to, to have it be your lead Batman title. And it's not in Gotham city. Now, you know, Scott Snyder told us, you know, we, we you know, Scott Snyder, educated us on Batman, right? And part of that education was that uh, you know whoever's writing Batman, the Batman book, is the lead Batman writer at DC Comics. So that means that Josh Williamson is the lead Batman writer at DC Comics, mm-hmm. according to Scott Snyder. Okay. Well, I find that interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. And I wonder how long that will last. Yeah. I mean, Tom Taylor is now exclusive to DC Comics, but he can't write everything. Right. So he's the lead Superman writer, I guess. Yeah. Um, which we'll talk about here in a minute, but you know we actually have a couple of Superman themed books to talk about this week. Do we? We we do. We have World of Krypton from Robert Venditti and Michael Avon Oming. You know, I know we, I know several of us were on the fence about this because of the Michael Avon Oming uh, artwork on the book, 
But yep. boy, I loved the hell out of this book. I yeah, liked the, the story. I still didn't love the art. So I went in with the first few pages, the art. Like when you first start seeing people, I hated the art. And I quickly forgot all about the art after a couple pages of it. Because mm-hmm. the story was that good that it overcame any of my issues with the art. It is highly stylized, Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, Oming has a couple of different styles that he works in. He's very versatile that way. But this is his more cartoonish style. And certainly on that first page, on the, uh, it's the uh, third page uh, opening up on Kryptonopolis. And there is an image of uh, Lara and Jor-El on the page and they are so hyper stylized. They almost look like little people, you know, their proportions are not anywhere near correct. Uh, and it makes them look very diminutive. And I was like, Ooh, I'm going to have a problem with this. But like Wayne said, once I got into the story, really just on the next page, I I was, I was transported away and it, it ceased to become a concern. I love the hell out of this book. I, I thought it was extremely well written, uh, really uh, told an interesting story about, you know, really the last days of Krypton. Uh, I, I, I dug it. I dug it a lot. Yeah, I like the story very much. It, you know, it, it, it is Krypton by way of Caprica, uh-huh. essentially. Yeah. Uh, you know, for, for anyone who watched that, it, it's very much that style of storytelling from Robert Venditti, you know, the political espionage, that kind of thing. Um. So I, 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 I thought there was a lot to like about this book. Again, I, I did struggle with the art, and I, I understand that you guys were able to see past it um, for the sake of the story. I, I still I still struggled a little bit with it. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, at the end, I feel like it, I feel like the story would have benefited a bit more from something a little bit more realistic, a little bit less I, stylized. Yeah, I don't yeah. disagree. I don't disagree at all. You know, I, I enjoyed it despite the art. Mm-hmm. And I don't object to you know, oming telling stories in, in, in this sort of, you know, visual language. I'm just not sure that it works for this story, but the Vendetti writes such a compelling, interesting story. And I'm, I'm, I mean, I am immediately into these characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Uh, there's so like, there's such character driven moments where you've got all this huge intrigue, but one of the moments that stands out to me was, uh, Laura being the first one to hear Kara's name. Yeah. yeah. And how that was such a touching, important moment to her. It's like, that is a tiny little character moment that, you know, in a huge book of entry that for me makes the book. Yeah. Did, did we know that, that Jor-El had a cousin whose name was Cruel? Yes. Okay. I thought that was a little yeah. on the nose, but. It's, it's sort of like- the, uh the silver age uh, naming conventions yeah. and storytelling <laughs> yeah. back in the day. <laughs> yeah. But you know, that's not the only Superman uh, adjacent book that we read this week. Uh, Tom Taylor, Jingleheimer Schmidt's uh, Superman <laughs> son of Cal L 2021 annual came out this week. Yes. And uh, I gotta tell you another fantastic book this week. I dug the hell out of this book. I did too. I thought this was uh, ex- you know, for a book in which, it is very much an annual, right? Nothing mm-hmm. material happens in this book that, you know, from an action standpoint, um, what does happen in this book that is material is that Lex Luthor has returned to to lead LexCorp once again, you know, kind of a return to status quo for, for Lex. Um, 
Except, you know, we really get his first interactions with Jonathan Kent. And, uh, you know, it, it, it the the interactions between them uh, were just fantastic. You know, it, well, it, and it's interesting seeing essentially an 18-year-old. Um, outwit Lex Luthor. Outwit Lex Luthor. Yeah. yeah. Well, you well, know, I, I Tom like Taylor does that. Flashback. Tom okay, Taylor like does that. <laughs> Tom Taylor does that thing that I enjoy so much that he understands the powers and he doesn't, you know, in, in television, you know, you see characters become stupid all of a sudden mm. to advance the plot. And in comics, we see writers frequently uh, minimize the powers to advance the plot. And Tom Taylor leans right into the power yeah. to tell yeah. the story. One thing I really like is you get a little bit of juxtaposition here. You have a flashback of how Clark outsmarts Lex in an early adventure. And then you see how Jonathan outsmarts him. And Clark outsmarts him because Clark has friends. That is his big thing. He's willing to rely on his friends, his teammates, and then show up when he's most needed himself. Versus Jonathan is more willing to experiment with his powers and do things differently. And so Jonathan doesn't have this stable of friends because he hasn't been on Earth for most of his life. So, but both of them, in their own ways, manage to outsmart somebody who is, you know, at his nature, more intelligent than them, mm-hmm. but has a weakness of overconfidence. Yeah, it's it's really a, a very strong effort from uh, from Tom Taylor. I I particularly enjoyed just a little bit of uh, Batman in the book. Yeah, and, and uh, you know Jonathan says, you know, you didn't want to just appear in our kitchen or something when he said, you know, you know Batman knocks on the door, and uh, you know Lois chastises him. She says, well, he did do that once, and he's like, and you know Batman's like, and it won't happen again, and she's like. Valuable lessons about personal privacy and boundaries were taught that day. <laughs> <laughs> Just cracks me up. Yeah, no, it, it, Tom yeah. Taylor, you know, he he's DC's secret weapon, which is why they're smart to um, sign him to mm-hmm. a uh, to an exclusive contract. I'm assuming he'll finish out his work on Dark Days for Marvel mm-hmm. and then you know be done there because he he really is. He has such a strong understanding of character and superpowers. Um, and we've, we've talked about this, right? We've talked about the way he uses powers, not just in this book, but in Dark Days in a way that makes sense, though you've never seen it before. Um, right. The, the guy is is definitely, as if he wasn't already a celebrated uh, writer, not just on this podcast, but in the, you know, in the industry. Uh, I think he he has even greater things ahead, um, and and one of those things is this Dark Knights of Steel uh, series yeah. that he's doing because you know th- this is his Elseworlds take on the DC universe. Issue two came out, um, you know where it's the DC universe but in medieval times, and uh, this this book was damn good. Yeah, I mean yeah. I, I I very much enjoyed this book. Uh, you know the first issue told the story of what if the entire L family. You know, Laura, Jarrell, and uh, Kal-El all came to Earth at the same time and, you know, in this scenario, landed in medieval times. Um, And, of course, at the end of issue one, Jarrell is assassinated. And this is, you know, dealing with with the the fallout from that. And, boy, it takes a dark turn. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We find out that Superman or, you know, uh, Kal-El in this book has a younger sister which we did not know from the first issue 
I, I thought that was that was a terrific development. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very surprised to, 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 to learn that. And I thought the reveal on the page was super interesting. Yeah, I thought it was going to be Kara and that she was just sent to Earth, too. Right. But no, I like it being a younger sister. Mm-hmm. I I love the designs in this book because I read both issues t- this week. Mm. And I love the design of the basically the uniform that Jor-El is wearing. Right. I, I thought it was just a wonderful design. And the same as it keeps going on, like the Batman armor, I think, looks great. Yeah. The art on this book is amazing. The story is incredible. And I am just completely hooked. Yeah, yeah I, I I really I really dug the turn in this book at the end. And are we spoiling? Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, Jorel is killed at the end of the first issue when uh, his daughter finds out. You know, she is you know training on Paradise Island with uh, you know uh, Princess Diana. And, you know, when they refer to, you know, got to see the princess, you think they're talking about Diana. But no, they're talking about Jor-El's daughter. Uh, she, you know, the, the hit on Jor-El was ordered by, you know, Jefferson Pierce, you know, who is a lord of his own land. And that the conflict between the elves and everybody else is that the elves are anti-magic and they won't allow magic in their kingdom. And anybody who is magical, which we would just call like a metahuman, um, they get imprisoned, you know, bad things happen to them. You know, they, they are shunned and sent away. Um, well, you know, Jefferson Pierce feels like as the, the L's, uh, grip, continues to grow they're going to expand beyond their boundaries and uh you know that'll be problem that'll be a problem for for his nation in particular and others in general and so he orders the hit on jor-el well uh jor-el's daughter shows up and uh uh, murders jefferson pierce's son yeah yeah and and i mean it is so cold-blooded uh, you know, and it strikes me as that kind of thing you can do with a character that you've created for this story mm-hmm. <laughs> that I'm that had it been Kara Zorel, uh, they might not have done this, you know, certainly not so cavalierly, uh, you know, so as not to muck with the brand. But, you know, she has created the whole cloth for this story and it is super dark because, you know, she just drops him right in front of uh, of Jefferson Pierce and. The thing that I'm kind of baffled by is that Pierce knew that the elves would find out. Why wasn't there something in place to protect from this circumstance in particular? Because, of course, there would be repercussions from assassinating a king. Yeah. You know, that's what I don't understand. I don't fault, uh, you know, what happens other than if you can do that to his son, why not just do it to Jefferson Pierce? Fair. Yeah. Why Why not just king for a king? Well, I think it was um she felt pain of losing her father, so she wanted him to feel pain of losing yeah. his son. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, guess. I think it's more uh, vindictive it was, than it is uh, yeah. just for strategic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I'm sense. curious, do either of you have predictions on who the green man is? I think it's Martian Manhunter. That yeah, was that that was my thought as well. I thought that the Green Lantern might be a little bit on the nose. Well, and he has a Green Lantern ring, but right. it'll be somebody else with the ring. Because he does say the ring told me. Yeah, oh. you're right. Okay, maybe it is the, the Green Lantern. I guess we'll find out. But yeah, but I, we, I mean, I'm so on board for this book. I think it's just so well done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we it's see his good. feet. We see his feet without shoes. 
and like strings of uh, clothes. Right. I, I'm predicting it's Lex Luthor. I was thinking Martian Manhunter and oh, that would make sense. But I think it's going to end up being Lex. Yeah, that would make right. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, a great book. And you know, everything other than Batman I read this week was terrific. Yeah. You know, I was shooting guys' notes through the week. World of Krypton was terrific. Superman, Son of Kal El was terrific. Dark Knights of Steel was yeah. terrific. No comments about Batman. <laughs> <laughs> the, the only book I read this week that I hated was Batman related. So. Yeah. 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 Hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, from DC Comics, we have the first issue of Batgirls. Um, you know, we this is Ooh, the, not picking that yeah, book not up. Picking this one up. Sadly, <laughs> you know, I, I, here's the thing: I probably would have if it wasn't for the preview pages, mm-hmm. and then I would have been disappointed. So I'm glad. I'm yeah, you that. know, I would have if it wasn't for the preview yeah. pages. It's a Stephanie Brown book. Yeah. Um, so we have a new issue, uh, the first issue of Batgirls, uh, the a new issue of Wonder Girl, you know, the book that sometimes I forget is still being published. Right. Um, we have a couple of actual trade paperbacks next week uh, of interest. Strange Adventures, all 12 issues collected next week. Um, Rorschach, also, you know, from Tom King, another, all 12 mm-hmm. issues collected. The first arc of Tom Taylor's Nightwing, issue 78 through 83. If you have not been reading Tom Taylor's Nightwing, wing um perfect opportunity to get caught up definitely i would say that up all three of those are worth are worth the read if you haven't read them yet uh, strange adventures uh, rorschach and nightwing are all you know just excellent reads and i think that rorschach and strange adventures are going to read terrific collected yeah and i'm looking that's what yeah. i've been waiting for so yeah um you know i'll pick those well I'll, I'll i will probably pick them up on the comiXology dollar sale but you know same <laughs> same 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 um uh from marvel comics we have new issues of defenders another book i forgot was being published uh eternals the second issue of donny kate's hulk arc um donny kate's and ryan otley and uh, a new issue of strange academy issue 14 Um, that's exciting yeah what's very interesting about this one is this is it the issue you'll be looking back on 5 10 15 years from now the future of strange academy and the marvel universe no it's it's the strange academy characters as their adults um you know a kind of a peek into the future of the strange academy characters and uh, for you and wayne from titan comics the climactic final issue of gun honey uh issue oh really next week i didn't realize it was ending i didn't either i guess it's it's what four issues i guess yeah interesting so get your sexy uh sexy lady book sexy lady (laughs) well hey we want to know what you thought of this week's books uh what books you're looking forward to give us a call 972-763-5903 that number once again 972-763-5903 and if we use your voicemail on the show you could win a coveted valuable ideology of madness surprise you can also hit us up on social media iom geek on facebook instagram or twitter what a deal well hey i i am uh, looking forward to some of those books next week so not bad girls but you know most of the other ones <laughs> most of the other ones <laughs> so we'll talk about them next week yes sir bye podcast theme music graciously provided by mark andrew pope for more information visit markandrewpope.com funny books with aaron and polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com no spider-man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast